0: Have you ever had some difficult, unexpected things happen to you? And you found yourself wondering, why me? Why me? If you have ever had that question, if you've ever wondered that to yourself, why me, you are not alone. Most of us at some point have gotten there. But the thing is for many of us, the circumstances that we face that sometimes we wonder, why me? Sometimes those circumstances that we have pale in comparison to others. There are people and examples all around the world of folks that we would say have legitimate reasons for for really questioning and asking, why me? People like Johnny Erickson Tada. Have you ever heard that name? Johnny, when she was a teenager, she loved to swim, she loved to ride horses, she loved to hike mountains. But on July 30th, when she was 16 years old, she misjudged the water in Chesapeake Bay where she was and she dove in and she hit the bottom. It fractured her neck and left her paralyzed from the neck down, and in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And Johnny would admit that for the first couple of years, she was angry at God, she was depressed, and she often questioned, why me? Why me? But something happened. Johnny learned how to paint with her teeth. And she began to sell her artwork because it was so good. Later, she learned to write the very same way and she has now authored over 40 books. But not only has she authored books, she has also put out several musical albums. She has become an advocate for the disabled. She starred in a movie about her own life and Johnny travels the world now proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And Johnny made this statement. She said, the first thing I plan to do on resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. She says, the very first thing I wanna do in heaven, when I get there and I have a brand new body, what I wanna do, the very first thing, I wanna get down on those brand new knees and I wanna say, thank you. Johnny could have lived in a why me world but she refused to do so. Or maybe if you go back a little bit farther in history, there's another lady by the name of Fanny Crosby. You may not recognize the name, but I would dare say that you know who she is. Fanny, when she was six weeks old, got an eye infection. Her parents took her to the doctor, but the doctor mistreated her or treated her wrongly and blinded her for life. From six weeks old on. But when she was eight years old, she wrote this poem. Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I shall be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Eight years old. Isn't that incredible in her lifetime she wrote over 9000 christian songs that we call hymns many of which millions and millions and millions of people have sung for the last 100 plus years all around the world songs like blessed assurance draw me nearer take me to the cross and then to god be the glory To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave his one and only son. That's Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby, at the end of her life, said this, If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Fanny, we would dare say, had legitimate reason to say, why me? And yet she didn't live in that world. She didn't live a bitter life. She said, I'm going to use this life for the glory of God. Maybe another biblical character that you've heard of named Job. Job, in the matter of days, lost Everything that was near and dear to him. He lost seven of his children. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost all of his cattle. He lost everything in a matter of days. But Job said this about God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor Bob, that's good. Thank you. But what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because if there is one character in the Christmas story outside of Jesus, who could ask the question, why me? I think it would probably be Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, we have romanticized Mary in such a way and the scenario, and we have softened everything to the degree that that we think it's wonderful. We can't even imagine a greater and higher experience than to be chosen by God to be the mother of his very only son. And we have romanticized it to think that everything was wonderful and it was easy and people bringing gifts. But it was anything but easy. Matter of fact, the Bible, when you begin to really study it and understand what was happening, you come to understand that Mary's life was blown to bits. Her life was never the same. Here's a teenager, she's engaged, she's thinking about a wedding and no doubt she has big plans for her life. But what happens? An angel shows up out of nowhere and gives her God's plans and reveals God's plan for her life that destroyed really all of her plans. Her life was never gonna be the same. She was never gonna be looked at the same. She was never gonna be understood the same. For the rest of her life, she would be that one that people looked at as a liar, as an adulterer. As someone having a son who was out of wedlock, her her, her life was never the same. It was challenging. And she could have asked, why me? So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, and he will be holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And here's her response. Why me? Maybe that's in your version, but not in mine. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be. Is now why me? Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, there are people when it comes to Mary who have gone to one side and they worship Mary and they pray to Mary. Let me just tell you as plain as I can nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to do that. In fact, it tells us not to do that. But there are some who have swung all the way to the other side. Instead of worshiping Mary and praying to Mary, they've swung to the other side and they just ignore Mary. I don't think either are a good option. We should neither worship, pray to Mary, nor should we ignore Mary. What we should do is admire Mary for who she was and is and also learn from what she did, in particular, how do we handle some of the toughest circumstances that we face that, that we weren't really prepared for? How do, how do we do that? And so tonight, what I want to do is very quickly, I want to give you five things to remember from this little part of Mary's story. Five things to remember before we ask, why me? First of all, before you ask why me, God's plans always supersede ours. Before you ask why me, remember, God's plans always supersede ours. Let me ask you is this a true or false statement? We tend to be the most down, disappointed, and depressed when life isn't going according to our plans. Is that true or false? It's a little Christmas Eve exam quiz. It's true. We tend to be the most down, disappointed, and depressed when life isn't going according to our plan. I mean, just think about the thing, whatever it is, that you're most down about right now, that you're most disappointed with, that maybe you would even say, I'm, this is why I'm depressed. I would dare say the root of that issue is, this is not what you planned. This is not what you came up with. This isn't a circumstance that you chose. And it's a situation that you don't want. And you need to remember tonight that God's plans always supersede our plans. Matter of fact, Proverbs nineteen twenty one says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. James 4, says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now understand that Mary's plan for her life, they weren't simply put to the side and put on hold. They were done all together. Because what Mary found out was that God's plans are always bigger and that God's plans are always better. Say that with me, God's plans are always bigger and God's plans are always better, always. Not sometimes, not usually, but always. God has a bigger and better plan. That's why it would be a huge mistake for us to demand our own way and miss his. Because his ways are better, and his ways for us and his plans for us are always bigger. When you wanna ask why me, remember, God's plans always supersede ours. Secondly, before you ask why me, remember, God sees providentially, we see presently. God sees providentially, we see presently. Say, what in the world does providentially mean? That means God sees everything about everything, everywhere, all the time. There is not one part of you or your life that is unseen or unknown by God. Now compare that to us. We see right now, do you realize that you don't even know what is gonna happen one minute from now? It's gonna be amazing, but you don't know. (laughs) You don't know what's gonna happen one minute from now, let alone one year or one decade into the future. You see, you and I, we make plans based on what we think is best. You make plans based on who you think you are. But God makes plans based on who he knows exactly who you are and exactly what is best. That's why it's a a mistake to ask God to come and bless our mess. Or God... I just want you to see life from my perspective and empower my plan. Do you realize that God wants for you what you would want for you if you just had sense enough to want it? Here's the problem, you don't know. You don't have the sense, why? Because you don't see and I don't see as God sees. We are limited and he is unlimited. All that Mary could see was Joseph. You remember being a teenager in love? All she could see was Joseph. All she could see was a wedding. All she could see were her plans, nice little life and a nice little place with a nice little family. That's all she could see, but God saw so much more. Verse 30 says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God knew Mary, God watched Mary, God loved Mary, and God wanted the very best for Mary. The good news that I have for you tonight is that I can confidently say the same thing for you. God knows you, and God watches you, and God loves you, and God wants the very best for you. Here's the amazing thing. God knows why he even dreamed you up. God knows why he dreamed you up and fashioned you the way that you are and breathed life into you because he knows how you fit in his plan. See, the problem is what we want to do is we want to fit God into our plan. And it never works out. And we get frustrated, we get irritated, we get mad, and we start asking, why me? Why me? I read a book a number of years ago, and probably many of you did as well, written by Henry Blackaby, called Experiencing God. It was a pretty life-changing book for me. And the premise of the book was this, see where God is at work and join him. Instead of asking God to come and accomplish your plans, join God where he's at work and accomplish his. Why? Because God sees everything providentially, he loves you infinitely, and he knows where you fit in his plan perfectly. God sees providentially and we see Presently, here's the third thing we need to remember before we ask why me, our challenges in this life are connected to God's purposes for the next. Our challenges in this life are connected to God's purposes for the next. Listen, everything that God does always has an eye on eternity. Everything that God does, he always has an eye on eternity. You remember how Jesus taught us to pray? At the very end, he says, asking, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how God's will is done on, in heaven? Do you know how God's will is done in heaven? Everyone in heaven does everything God wants. And everyone in heaven does everything God says. And everyone is happy and everything is perfect. And so Jesus says, pray this, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let's just be honest. We typically pray that our will be done, right? And so we give God this laundry list of things that we would like him to do for us and make these things happen. Our will be done. And Jesus obviously didn't teach us to pray that way. Not our will, but his will be done. Now, I, can prom- I, I cannot stand up on this stage and honestly tell you that if you do God's will for your life, that your life will be significantly easier. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that if you do the will of God, your life will be infinitely better. See, there are a lot of folks, what is happening is that they are choosing and seeking an easier life at the expense of a better life. They think easier is better. i am telling you, that's not the case. There are people who are pursuing a successful life at the expense of a purposeful life. If you do God's will, it doesn't mean it will be an easier life, but it does mean, and God promises, a better life. And he uses the situations and circumstances that are hard and difficult and challenging to carve, shape, and mold us into the person he wants us to be in order to fit the purposes that he already holds. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, talk about a challenge. Anybody see a problem with that? We've been to health class. Right? We know virgins don't have babies. How can this be? I'm a virgin. This this is a big challenge. And what we see here is this: when we don't understand how the circumstances in our life will work out, or how the situations can be for our good when we can't see it and we don't know it we are to look to the one who does and trust the one who says i got you i got you right that's what he's telling us here our challenges in this life are connected to god's purposes for the next so how did the angel respond to mary when when she said how can this be i'm a virgin The angel says this, for nothing will be impossible for God. Let me give you some really good news. Some of you, this this is the best news you're going to hear all night. Nothing you are facing right now is impossible for God. Nothing... I am facing right now is impossible for God. Let's just just say that until we mean it, until we believe it. Let's say it together. Nothing I am facing right now is impossible for God. I think you need one more shot at it. (laughs) Nothing I am facing right now is impossible for God. The challenge you have right now is not a challenge to God. That should be some really good news. You know what it ought to do is just calm you down just a little bit. Here's the fourth thing we need to remember before we ask why me. Circumstances we don't understand help us look to the God who does. Circumstances we don't understand help us to look to the God who does. Now, when you look at verses 28 through 33, we don't have to read it. But the angel goes through a lot of details, right? This is what he's gonna be. This is how he's gonna be born. This is what he's what he called. And this is why he is coming. I mean, he goes through all of these things. How much of that do you think Mary understood? I mean, she's still hung up on virgin, right? She's still hung up on baby. And the angel is like, this is why he's coming. This is the house he's coming to. And this is the kingdom that he will have. And this is, this is the people he was." How much of that do you think she understood? I would say very, very little. She had no possible way to understand what was going to happen and what God was up to. But here's the thing. God was not asking Mary to understand. He was asking Mary to believe. He was asking Mary to trust him. He was asking Mary to walk by faith and obey. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you want to live a life that pleases God? Hello. I hear the baby saying yes, yes. Yes. Here's the good news for those of us who aren't very smart. You don't have to understand everything. To live a life that pleases God, you don't have to understand everything. What he asks you to do is believe him and trust him. Believe that he knows exactly where you are and what you're going through and get your eyes on him. That pleases God. One preacher said that faith is like acting God is telling the truth. Faith is like acting. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. You know what? He is. He is. Here's the last thing from Mary's little story here. This is what we ought to remember before we ask why may remember how we respond to whatever God sends or allows in our lives is a testimony to others. How we respond to whatever God sends or allows in our lives is a testimony to others. Now, all of us, every single person in this room has a testimony. It's either powerful or pitiful. But all of us have a testimony. And just like you can't spell testimony without the word test, you can't have a testimony without going through some tests. And how you respond to the tests... That God sends or allows into your life will dictate if your testimony to the world is powerful or pitiful. How's it going? How did Mary respond to God's test? How did Mary respond to this circumstance she didn't know what to do in? She didn't say, why me? She just said, let it be unto Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God brought the Savior into the world through Mary. And now he wants to, get, to the sa- get the Savior to the world through us. God brought the Savior into the world through Mary. And now he wants to get the Savior to the world through us. And he does that through the power of his word, but also our testimony and what he has done. Do you have a powerful testimony or a pitiful one? Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Maybe that's our prayer tonight. Maybe this Christmas it's less about going over what God has given to you. And this Christmas, it's more about what God is saying he wants you to give to him. And you know what he wants from you? everything that you are. He wants all of you, all for him. Mary's testimony is so powerful that we're still talking about it today. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could hear her say and share her testimony herself? Maybe we can. Check this out.